0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله dear brothers and sisters and thank you for tuning in to episode and session number 7 of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program we finished page number 33 of the Holy Quran and alhamdulillah today we will begin with page number 34. Haram equals harm. So without a doubt Islam isn't just a faith that came down um, that is going to just have some very random arbitrary rules that make no sense. We believe theologically and legally from a fiqhi perspective, we believe that Islam's rules and laws revolve around the good and bad, the essential good and bad in things. Now this is a long discussion um, and it's a theological one too, that does God, uh, when He issues a ruling, when He legislates a ruling, is that just purely based on Him wanting it such, or no, is it based on the actual good and bad out there? It's a discussion, us. In the Shi'i school of thought, we believe that Allah's rules, Allah's commands are all based on a good or bad, an inherent good or bad in things. There might be exceptions to this rule sometimes, um, where Allah might, out of punishment for a group of people, make some things that are totally good haram on them. The Qur'an does speak about this, that the tayyabat became haram upon Bani Israel, at least for some time as a punishment for what they were doing. But all in all, in normal circumstances, Allah is going to legislate rules based on the good and bad in things, the advantages and disadvantages of things. He will weigh them out. He will weigh things out and see how much good or how much bad is in them, and then He will, um, he will legislate the rule. Alright, so let's uh, before we get into some of the details in, re- in this regard, let's recite the verse on this page which is verse 219 of surah baqarah a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim yasalunaka 'anil khamri wal maisir qul feehuma ithmun kabirun wa manafi'un lin nasi wa ithmuhuma akbaru min naf'ihima wayasalunaka madha yunfiqun qul al-'afu kadhalika yubayyinullahu lakumul ayati la'allakum tatafakkarun They ask you concerning wine and gambling." So this is about a particular case or two cases in particular that Allah has made haram, right? They ask you concerning wine and gambling. Say, there is a great sin in both of them and some benefit for the people, but their sinfulness outweighs their benefit. And they ask you as to what they should spend. Say, all that is surplus. Thus does Allah clarify His signs for you so that you may reflect. Okay, so in this particular um, verse, wine and gambling have been discussed and brought up. Now before I uh, break it down, let me explain one thing and that is that this verse is the first of three verses or set of verses that have come down regarding wine and intoxicants. We have to understand Islam it's true, it's a religion, it's a religion by God that the people back then believed. They knew that this is coming from Allah Subhanahu Taala and so on and so forth. But if you bend a branch too quick, it'll snap. You don't want things to snap. And so there are some things that people are just too close to, too used to, too addicted to even, let's say. And so there is room to, in a flexible manner, if that thing is bad for them, to slowly and steadily wean them off of that thing which they are so attached to. One of those is intoxicants and wine especially in the past. And so during the Prophet's time وآله, uh, it was a big thing. And even till today it's a big thing in the, the non-Islamic cultures that are out there. Uh, and so Islam, when it wanted to ban wine and intoxicants, muskirat it's as they are called, It didn't do it right at once and this is something brothers and sisters we have to understand at the end of the day people are not robots and Allah knows this there might be a certain system in place during the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi that Allah won't will disagree with Allah in Allah's eyes this is not acceptable but you can't just uproot it right away and just tell the people from this day forward it's off limits there are some cases where the bad is so much that um The bad is so much and the people, there is room for them to detach from it. Then Allah will put His foot down right there and say, like from this day forward, this shouldn't be happening. But there are some cases where in Allah's immaculate knowledge, He feels that this this has to go through a slow process of weaning people off of it. Or else the people might just give up altogether. Wine and these things were one of them. And so this is the first of three in a series of verses telling the people they're supposed to stay away from wine. Here in this verse, it's not even telling them to stay away from it, right? All it's saying is, is as if it's warming the people up. The rest of the verses will come in other surahs even, I think. So they're not, it's not like a continuous set of verses here. These three, the series that I'm talking about of verses, it's going to come, it, it's scattered. Um, but here, it's not even saying stay away from it. It's as if Allah is warming the people up for this matter. Letting them know and, know and reminding them that, look, the good and harm within it and the sinfulness within wine and gambling outweighs the bad in it, outweighs the good. That's it, nothing else. Here, are some people who really love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, probably this might be enough for them to put it aside. But then there are other verses that will come that will slowly do the job and finish it off completely. So the other verse says, don't pray while you're intoxicated. So that means five times a day you have to be careful that you're not intoxicated when you're praying. Okay? What that means is the window to be able to drink this haram wine, it becomes very, very narrow and slim. And then finally the third verse or set of verses that came banned it completely. They said, or it says that, رجس من عمل الشيطان that this khamr, this maisir, these are rich, these are najasa, these are impurity, these are things you you don't want to get close to, so stay away from them completely. So there was a series of verses that came down to ban wine. Now, what we get out of this though is that Islam will never make things haram if there's no harm in them. So if I see something as haram, it's because of the harm that that thing has in it. Now sometimes I'm able to figure it out, so to be honest with you brothers and sisters, wine and gambling, I think it's pretty easy for us to figure out why they would be haram. But then there are other things sometimes we might not know exactly why it's haram. At the end of the day, if it's haram, that is a sign for us that okay, there must be something harmful in it for us as an individual, or as a society, in the in our, in our uh, normal lives, in our spiritual lives, whatever it's going to be. And so Allah has made it haram for a reason. wa ta'atan. We say, we will obey and we will not question. And so some things like this wine and gambling, as I said, people will understand that these are not the best things for us uh, as individuals and in society, right? You don't have to be Muslim to understand that gambling can ruin lives, can ruin families. You don't have to be Muslim to understand that staying away from alcohol might be better (laughs) than actually consuming it, yeah? All right. But what's, what's cool and what stands out in this verse is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He acknowledges that there are some benefits at the end of the day. When you gamble, you might gain some money. That's, that's a benefit, right? <laughs> when you drink, there might be, first of all, some pleasure in it for you. But second of all, like even today, there's some studies that, yeah, some wine can be good for you. So Allah acknowledges this. It's not like everything that's haram out there is totally harmful and there's no good in it at all. But look, what's important is this He says, وَإِثْمُهُمَا min مِنْ نَفْعِهِمَا right? That the problem within them is more and outweighs the naf and the benefit within them. So what happens here, you'll find sometimes people who, you know, they're not very practicing or they want to point out that, you know, that some of the rules of Islam maybe are not very accurate. They'll point out, oh, look, wine has benefits and so on, right? It all depends and it all goes back to your worldview brothers and sisters. Do you have a worldview, a worldview that is inclusive of the akhira as well? Inclusive of the aql and how important the aql is and maintaining the aql over pleasures and things like that? Are you a person who gives importance to akhlaq for example and you can see how some of these things deteriorate your akhlaq, the akhlaq of people? Alright, if this is the case if I have a proper Quranic worldview, which really revolves around akhirah and Allah's satisfaction, then I'll understand that there might be some things out there that have benefit in them. It's not like it's totally um, bad for me, right? There might be some benefit, but the the bad in it is much more than the good in it at the end of the day, right? There might be some benefit, so what? Because it's hurting my akhirah, it's hurting my aql. When some, when these people when they drink their aql shuts down for a while. The guy is a huge celebrity and does the most foolish things on Instagram Live, for example, why? Because he's drunk, because he's intoxicated, right? So these are matters that are important for us as Muslims, the aql, the akhirah, akhlaq, and these things. So, if a person has the proper worldview, just because something might have some benefits in it, won't be enough for them to want to argue for its permissibility and like how like oh we should be able to do this why because there's some benefit in it no 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 no. Allah looks at the bigger picture Allah looks at um, ways out the good and bad and then the verdict and the ruling is legislated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's how we see it and this verse uh, very clearly is indicating that page number 35 of the Holy Quran misuse of God's name So during the Prophet's time until today, this is a matter that is out there. People use God's name, they swear on God's name, and so on and so forth. Now, aside from the uh, legal fiqhi ramifications of doing such a thing, there are other lessons to be taken from this matter as well. And in in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, does not seem very happy when He's talking about this matter. Let's recite the verse. So this is verse 224 of Surah Baqarah on this page. And do not make God subject to your oaths, so that as a result you may do good exercise piety and bring reconcile between people and Allah is all hearing all knowing brothers and sisters some things just aren't supposed to be thrown around so to speak okay god's name is one of them in this verse Allah sounds a little upset he's letting us know that this is not he's not happy with this matter that people use his name and make his name subject to their oaths. Okay? Their oaths. Now, here it says, it doesn't say God's name in the verse, it says God himself. Why? If I want to explain it how I see it, you see the name of a thing is, symbolizes that thing, represents that thing. When you, if you, for example, trash someone's name, it's as if you have trashed themselves. In other words, there is no difference between the name of someone and that per- and that person themselves, or the name of something and that object itself, right? It's a representation of that. For example, for example, if a person burns the flag of a country, right? What does that mean? What does that show? What does that symbolize? That is saying, if you want to translate that, that means that I would, you know, kind of. Burn that country itself. That flag represents the country and everything that country stands for, and all of the uh, officials of the country, the people of the country, that kind of thing. Unless this person specifies, I'm burning this flag for this reason or that reason, you know? But all in all, this is just an example, of course, that these symbols, they're there because they represent that thing itself. Allah here says, Don't make me subject to your oaths. Here, there's, there's two meanings that can be meant here. And if you paid attention to the translation, even I feel the translation isn't very clear. So there are two main opinions on how to translate and understand this verse, okay? So let me explain. Number one, and I think both of the meanings are good, and both of them get, give, give across the lesson to us that we're supposed to take. So whichever you want to understand from this verse, all in all the lesson is the same, and the message is the same. So either it means that don't use God's name Right when you, for example, you are, you get upset at someone, for example, okay, and you're like, you know what? Wallah, by Allah, I swear that I will never do good to you anymore, right? And you're actually paying attention to your words and what you're saying. You really mean it, not that you just got angry and you said something, uh, in the spur of the moment. No, 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 no. You're like, okay, this person did this, did that. By Allah, I will never help them in this and that anymore. Okay, so. Allah is saying in the verse here, according to this interpretation, that don't swear by Allah's name that you're not going to do certain good things anymore for people. Why? Because once you've sworn by Allah's name, this becomes, for, this becomes real, <laughs> this becomes binding on you. And then you won't be able to do those good things anymore. Don't limit yourself in doing good by swearing by Allah's name, right? That's one. If, you're not, if you really don't want to do something, just say, I'm not going to do this anymore. Now, later in the, f- in the future, if you change your mind, that's a different story. But when you swear by Allah's name, yeah, you won't be able to go back on it. To the extent that, brothers and sisters, in our fiqh and in our law, if you swear the proper, you use the proper words for swearing by Allah to do something or not do something, and you go against what you've sworn to or sworn by, uh, what happens is there, there's a kafara, for it as well okay so that's something to keep in mind uh, i don't remember the details right now off the top of my head but yes breaking your qasam your oath by and, and as i said there's a special wording that has to be used for it to be official of course and binding but if you break that oath there's a kafara for it okay so that's one way we can understand this verse there are some people who will use allah as a result and swearing by allah as a result Because they've sworn by Allah, they can't do certain good things because they swore to Allah that they wouldn't do it. Number one. Number two understanding of this verse is that, no, no, don't play with God's name and overdo, overdo things when it comes to swearing by Allah's name. In other words, you can swear by Allah's name here and there when you're very serious about something, but all in all, even if you're serious and you do it too much and overdo it and you're always swearing by God's name, people will start to not take you serious anymore. And Allah's name, not, they won't take His name serious anymore. As a result, they won't give you the opportunity to do the good things that you would want to do. Why? Because you're always swearing by Allah's name. When you anything you overdo, yes, won't be taken seriously anymore. And so because you're not taken seriously anymore, they won't give you the chance and opportunity to do the good that you want to do Yes, so this is a second understanding or another understanding of the verse, don't overdo it. The first one said don't do it, be careful not to do it at all, right? Because once you do it, then you won't be able to go back on it. The second one says don't overdo it, even if you are going to live up to what you have sworn by or sworn for. You've sworn by Allah's name for doing this or that. Even if you are going to live up to it, if you overdo it, people won't take you serious too much anymore. And you'll lose opportunities to do good. Okay, so whichever of these two brothers and sisters we take as what this verse is saying, all in all, everything about Allah is sacred. That's the lesson we get out of this. Especially His name. We have to be careful that if we, even if we're telling the truth, we have this in our fiqh. Even if you're telling the truth it's not recommended as a matter of fact it might be makruh to swear by Allah's name for things even if they're true if they're not true then it's haram for sure but if it's true it's still not recommended unless really it's needed then in that case then an exception is made of course and so if a brother uh, if, a, if a if a person doesn't take God's name serious there's a good chance that they won't take God himself serious anymore yeah, listen to that. If a person doesn't take God's name serious and just throws it around left and right, and he throws it around left and right, there's a good chance that down the line they won't even take God Himself serious. This is how important it is to understand the sanctity of certain things that have this sanctity. You don't take Allah's name serious, it might end up with you not taking God Himself serious. So that is something to be careful about and, um, you know, We ask Allah to help us in uh, keeping the sanctity of Him, His name. Sometimes people even joke around about certain things. This is a personal preference I'm going to share with you. Um, I'm not saying that this is necessarily wrong and there's no way around it, it's black and white. No, no, no. But for me personally, even when sometimes people, you know, they'll say, yeah, man, I was so thirsty, I was so thirsty that day, or we were stuck in such like a, a barren desert, with no water in it, as if it was Karbala or something. No, 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 no. Don't even use the name of Karbala here. Nothing is to be compared with it. Okay. Even if you were as thirsty, let's just say, assuming, just that 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 story, that idea, that name, Karbala. This is a sacred name now. You're not supposed to use it. Yeah. And I can give other examples too, but really, I get upset myself even mentioning them. So, I won't. I won't get into that. Anyway, I think the point is cr- is clear here. So now, someone might say, "Oh my God! Like we're always like joking around, you know, not you know, just throwing. We're saying Allah's name left and right. Are we in trouble now? Because you know, there's a lot of times we're not even serious about it. We're just saying it." Well, let's look at page number thirty-six. Page number thirty-six, um, we can say is uh, is going to help us out a little bit here. But what if I'm used to saying Wallahi all the time? So here, someone will be like, there'll be a conversation going. One guy's like, are you serious? The other one's like, wallahi bro, I am. <laughs> okay, so is this a problem? There are, um, we're always we're always saying this. Now, maybe not in English as much, or even in English, yeah. Like when you're talking, you say, I swear to God, I swear to God. Okay, I swear to God it was so hot. I swear to God I was so hungry. You know, if you're from the Arab culture, uh, you'll say, "Walla, bro, man, I need a burger right now. Walla, wallah. Right? In Farsi we say or like vallah, and things like that, or wallahi. All right, so each culture will have this, this thing that they that they say. Just to show that they really mean something, right? They want to exaggerate it. They want to emphasize it. These don't fall under that category which the previous page was talking about. Let's read the verse here and then discuss it a little bit. Verse 225 of Surah Baqarah. <laughs> لَا اللَّهُ بِاللَّغْوِ فِي أَيْمَانِكُمْ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ Allah shall not hold you responsible for what is unconsidered in your oaths. Oh, so there's another category here. But He shall hold you responsible for what your hearts have intended. And Allah is all-forgiving, all-forbearing. Now, this verse is important for us to understand um, you know, how it's okay if you know we're not serious when we're saying wallahi and all that. All right, or when we say walla walla, things like that. But there's also something important here. He shall not hold you, he shall hold you responsible for what your hearts have intended. This verse, if misunderstood, can be a big problem because sometimes people think that anything in their hearts is uh, that is wrong is gonna be haram. No, that's not the case. Those things that we don't act upon. Those things that we don't act upon that um, we sometimes think. Even thinking about a sin sometimes, it's not good, but it's not like you've sinned because you thought of it. These are things that our marajah have explained. But I don't want to get into the details of that right now. There might be one or two cases where even thinking something is haram. So for example, not giving benefit of the doubt to a Muslim. You see them say something or do something, and there's a chance they weren't paying attention, or there's a chance that they had they had misidentified the scenario that they were in. And then, and then you you come to the conclusion in your mind that oh that was haram definitely what they were doing is haram no you're supposed to give benefit of doubt maybe he wasn't paying attention maybe uh, she wasn't she misidentified the case things like that okay oh how dare he uh, drink that you know that was a haram drink that was a haram ingredient or food well maybe they didn't know maybe they weren't paying attention we're not God okay so we have to give benefit of the doubt as much as we can so cases like these might be haram but to think of a sin or to think that you're going to do something or to you know. I don't know, different thoughts that we might have just because it's in our heart doesn't. and this verse is speaking about the heart doesn't mean it's haram and God is going to hold us responsible. So what is this verse talking about then? So we have two things to talk about here. Number one, these oaths that we have that we just carelessly say without even paying attention. And number two, we want to talk about the hearts. What's meant by God can hold us responsible for what's in our hearts. Okay, so after that previous page that we had, that was very serious, it was like La, um, don't uh, make Allah subject to your oaths, right? In that verse, um, uh, it was وَلَا تَجْعَلُ اللَّهُ That verse, after that, after that page and verse that we covered, some might be worried about this whole wallahi thing, okay? This verse is saying, no, don't worry about it. Uh, there are some oaths that are لَغْو They're just vain, they're just there. They're just there. You just say it. Just to like, you know, emphasize what you're saying. Not that you are actually in your heart swearing by Allah for that thing, a proper swearing. No, it's just a lagh in your oath. It's just vain talk kind of thing. Right? It's just an extra thing you put in there. You don't really mean it. Or like you're so angry that you lose control of everything. Right? And you're just like, Wallahi, I will never talk to you and you're saying this to your mother like no that's not that's not how it works (laughs) you weren't you weren't really paying attention yeah you lost control these kinds of oaths this verse is saying no that's okay don't worry that's not what you're going to be held responsible what you will be held responsible and so this is where the second point we wanted to discuss comes where you will be held responsible is those oaths that you're paying attention to you're attentive to your. It's in your heart. It's coming from the heart. These are the ones. So this context is very important, or else anything we think that's wrong is going to be haram too. Then I, I'm sorry, all of us will probably end up in hell, because thoughts are much harder to control than actions. They just come to us. I don't know. Like someone will see a non-mahram, and will fall in love with them. Is that in their control? No. It's in their heart, though. Love is in the heart. I don't know where you where you're supposed to find love. Usually they say, love is in the heart, you know. Allah is going to hold them responsible. That's not in their control, right? So there's a context for this verse. You can't just take the context out here, and just from now on make everything that anyone thinks of haram. Why? Because it's in your hearts, and Allah says in verse 225, He says, He shall hold you responsible for what your hearts have. No, hear what your hearts have, versus what is unconsidered in your oaths. It's the opposite to that right now, okay? So let's keep that in mind. So, page 35 and page 36 here, these verses, if you're gonna bring it all together, you have you are either serious when you take it when you swear by Allah, or you're not serious at all. It's not coming from the heart to begin with. If you're not serious, okay, you're good. Although personally, I wouldn't encourage our our our, our brothers and sisters in our youth to like use this word Allah, wallahi wallahi, because still. You're throwing that name around, and that is going to. Allah is higher than that for us to throw His name ar- around. Na'udhu billah. Wallahi, wallahi. Now, wallahi is one thing. Walla <laughs> doesn't even have Allah's name completely in it. It's walla. There's no ha even in it. Someone might argue, with, I'm not even using Allah's name. Okay, whatever, whatever. Okay. Um, all in all, it might be better not to say wallahi, wallahi all the time. Okay? Bekhuda, bekhuda. I swear to God, I swear to God. All right? But still it's not haram, it's not super problematic according to these verses. It says, La yu'akhidukum Allah, Allah's not gonna hold you responsible. So sometimes you are not serious, it's not coming from the heart. Sometimes it is coming from the heart and you are serious. Okay, if you're telling the truth, don't overdo it. And don't and be careful when when you use it, because if you use it for swearing to not do good things anymore, you might not be able to do them anymore. Although there are some fiqhid discussions here that I don't want to get into that the you know for those of you who might have an have an idea you know that qasam won't even work for al fi'l al marjuh it has to be fi'l al and so on i don't want to get into that but all in all all in all if you're not serious you're good if you're serious don't overdo it because then people will just not take you serious anymore you won't have an opportunity to do, to do good anymore and all in all be selective even if you're not overdoing it be selective And be careful not to use Allah's name for the good things even, because then you'll be like, oh man, I can't do this good anymore because I swore by Allah's name. But what we get out of all of these verses is the importance of Allah, the sanctity of Allah, the sanctity of Allah's name. Page number 37, we have a whole shift now to a different topic, and that is divorce. divorce is a bitter reality whether we like it or not it's there um, if i'm not mistaken you will have in the code of canon law of the catholic faith you will find that marriage is one of the recognized institutions but you won't have divorce it's not there if i'm not mistaken it's it might even be one of no actually i'm not sure if it's one of the sacraments or not but it's there as one of those things that one of the institutions that is recognized by the Church, the Catholic Church, but divorce won't be recognized. Although you know civil law does acknowledge and recognize it, but it's not there, uh, as far as I've looked, um, in the in, in in the canon law of the Catholic Church. Now, why am I saying this? To show that look, Islam once again understands that sometimes things just won't work out. It's a bitter reality. It's uh, it's unfortunate that it happens. But then the thing is this there will be certain uh, rights that the husband will have when it comes to divorce. He's not supposed to uh, misuse those. The Qur'an here is very, very specific about this. And so I want to share with you verse number uh, 231 on page 37. Let's read it and then get into some details. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long verse too which shows the importance of this matter. واذا طلقتم النساء فَبَلَغْنَ اجل فامسكوهن بمعروف او سرحوهن بمعروف ولا تمسكوهن ضرارا لتعتدوا ومن يفعل ذلك فقد ظلم نفسه ولا تتخذوا ايات الله هزوا وذكروا نعمه الله عليكم وما انزل عليكم من الكتاب hikmati يعذكم به وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمٍ When you divorce women and they complete their term, so it's talking about the edda. so um, some of you might have heard of this, it's the iddah. So when there is a divorce that happens, it's not like the husband and wife are totally separate from each other and it's over. Um, usually, not, I'm not going to say always, but usually the normal default talaq uh, or divorce is a a one meaning what? meaning that there's a waiting period that has an iddah, it's called and so during that time period the husband and wife can return to their previous marriage so that's the waiting period I just wanted to uh, explain that it says when you divorce women and they complete their term their waiting period their iddah, then either retain them honorably or let them go honorably And do not retain them maliciously in order that you may transgress. And whoever does that certainly wrongs himself. Do not take the signs of Allah as a joke. Like this is a serious matter, because some people weren't taking it very serious back then. And remember Allah's blessing upon you and what he has sent down to you of the book and wisdom to advise you therewith. So he sent the book and wisdom down for what? To advise advise us. Be wary of Allah and know that Allah has knowledge of all things. Right? He's watching. Okay, so the term that's used in the Arabic here is ma'roof. It says, أَمْسِكُوهُنَّ aw bi Right? Honorably. Okay, just because the divorce is happening now, okay? Doesn't mean that you don't have to maintain her honor anymore. Yeah, that's not the case at all. So, divorce is a reality, unfortunately, a very bitter one. I explained the idda, the waiting period. What happens is, once this iddah ends and is about to end, okay, and there are different iddas for different uh, situations, of course. But usually it'll be somewhere between maybe three to four months, depending on the situation, depending on the person, depending on um, you know, different things I don't want to get into right now. It's it's a long story. These are in the fiqhi books, and uh, brothers and sisters can find the details there. But the thing is when this waiting period or iddah in which the husband could have returned to his wife and taken her as his wife again, and there was no need for another nikah or another uh, marriage or another... Uh, marriage formula to be recited between them. Once that idda is about to end and this husband still has not gone back to her, the verse says, okay, when this happens, do what? Either retain them honorably or let them go honorably. Nothing in between here. Okay, this is very important. This is a very important matter that I personally believe if There are people out there who take advantage of some of the rights they might have when it comes to the divorce, that Allah will will let them feel the heat of that later somehow in their life in one way or another. These are things that there is no, we we cannot take lightly, there's no joking allowed in it. It has to be taken very seriously. These are people and people's lives we're talking about here. Can't play with that. So it says, either retain them honorably or release them. Meaning what? Meaning, either let her go after the ida is over, she's done now. You have nothing to do with her anymore. With honor and respect, she's out, she's gone, she's done. Okay? Or, if you want to keep her as your wife, you, she is your wife, you take her back, you take her back properly with honor again. Well then, what is, in, what is the in-between here? What's the third option? What is some people? What were some people maybe doing in the past that the verse is calling them out? Well, some people what they were doing was, it says, do not retain them maliciously in order that you may transgress. Don't be like, no, no, I'm coming back and I'm going to take you back as my wife, now that the iddah is almost over. But you take them as your wife again, but this wife, she's not even, it's not as if she is your wife. You're just doing this so that you can be a burden or excuse me a barrier between her and maybe going and marrying someone else later right but you're still not going to take care of her properly you're not going to respect her properly anymore and all of that but yeah you're going to hurt her like this by being her husband still and not letting her uh be free no 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 no. no. if you're going to retain if you're going to go back if you're still interested in her being your wife if you feel like you know you were mistaken about this divorce maybe you you know you sat down and you thought about it more and you feel like no 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 what am i doing then retain, keep her as your wife with honor, Bil Ma'roof. And if you feel like, no, I'm done with this, done with this, Bil Ma'roof, let her go. You can't leave her hanging like that for revenge. If you're going to take revenge like this and take advantage like this, then Allah is speaking in a very scoldful tone here, and you don't want to get Allah upset. Okay, so some guys I know sometimes might do this, they might use this as a weapon, just know that Allah is watching. Look at the l- end of the verse. Allah It says, Be wary of Allah and know that Allah has knowledge of all things. He's watching. He knows what's going on. He knows what you're doing. He knows. He has knowledge of what's in your heart when you keep her as your wife. But you do that for what intention? Okay. So these are very, very scary things to be careful of. All right. So that is what this verse, verse 231 of Surah Baqarah, is telling us. The next uh, page, what I'm going to do is, what I've done is, um, which is pages, which is page 38, I went back to 37 and 38 and I took out all of the instances where the term ma'aruf has been used when it comes to the women. Okay, This idea of, oh we can get away with anything and all that, Allah is watching and He wants to see how much honor you're going to show. This is a test for the brothers. We have to be very, very careful when it comes to this matter. So let's go to pages 37 and 38. We already did 37. We covered that verse. But now I'm going to take out bits and pieces from 37 and 38 because there's a big lesson for us in these two pages. It's all about honor and respect still. I think there are about maybe six or seven cases where bil maroof or ma'roof has been used in these verses when it comes to these matters. Let's go through them. So verse 231 It says بِمَعْرُوفِ أَوْ بِمَعْرُوفِ and that's the one that we covered in page 37. On page 37 Verse 232 of Surah Baqarah says, فَلَا أَيَّنْكِحْنَ أَزْوَاجَهُنَّ إِذَا بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ Once again, you see ma'roof. We'll get to the translation of these verses. Verse 233, وَعَلَى لَهُ رِزْقُهُنَّ bil بِالْمَعْرُوفِ Verse 233 again, فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذَا سَلَّمْتُم Verse two thirty four Fala junaha alecum fima faalna fi and fusihinna bil ma Verse two thirty five La tua idu hunna serran illa and taulu kaulam ma And verse two thirty six Wamateru hunna alal musei kadaruhu wala mukti kadaruhu mata am bil ma All right, so you got you've got Uh, ma'roof all over the place here okay when it comes to these matters I I can't think of any other case and other instance um, in the Quran where ma'roof has been mentioned this much as a matter of fact I did search the Quran with the software and this is it this is where it's repeated the most when it comes to these matters all right let's let's read the translations now then either retain them honorably or let them go honorably so that was the one we already covered on page 37, verse. This is verse 231 of Surah Baqarah. Verse 232 of Surah 232 of Surah Baqarah. Do not prevent them, do not prevent them from marrying their previous husbands, when they honorably reach mutual consent. Okay, there, there's a story behind this. I can I don't have time to get into the stories of each of these, but I'm just going through these uh, verses just to show on the honor that has to be shown. So, when they honorably have reached mutual consent, do not prevent them. In other words, if they want to, you know, once they're not married to you anymore, um, if they want to marry their previous husbands, if, they're, if that is happening out of, honorably, uh, out of honor, and out of mutual consent, then you have no business in this. Okay. Verse 233, "...and on the father shall be their maintenance." Meaning who? Meaning the mother and the child that has been born. Their maintenance and clothing in accordance with honorable norms. Okay. Honor once again. Verse 233, again. Translation, There will be no sin upon you so long as you pay what you give in accordance with honorable norms. It's talking about what you spend uh, for them, or maybe it's the dowry, I don't remember exactly, but whatever it is that you're giving them has to be given in accordance with honorable norms, not just anything. Subhanallah. Verse 234, There will be no sin upon you in respect of what they may do with themselves in accordance with honorable norms. If they are dealing with themselves and they're making decisions for themselves in an honorable way, none of your business again. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Once again, there's a context here that we can't get into right now. But do not make promises to them secretly unless you say honorable, honorable words. This is verse 235, so this is talking about when? A, a woman um, is in that ida period, the waiting period in which her husband can return to her and take her as his wife again without a need for another nikah. In this time period, you're not allowed, other men are not allowed to you know, um, speak to her about maybe marriage uh, and a potential marriage. No, 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 no. It has to happen in an honorable way. And in this context, the Mufassirin have explained, honorable way means indirectly indirectly through maybe a third party or you know or indirectly maybe using indirect words and verbiage so things like that okay once again I I can't get into details um, and I don't want to get into details right now but all in all honorable words have to be said and finally verse 236 says yet provide for them the well off according to his capacity and the poorly off according to his capacity so either you're rich or you're poor if you're rich Provide for them. If you're poor, provide for them to your own capacity, with a sustenance that is honorable. Once again. So we see in these verses, brothers and sisters, that uh, the the woman, if things you know go downhill and the marriage you know is hurt and there's a divorce and things like that all the honor and respect of this person has to be kept. Now, I might be saying this to someone who might be going through rough times with his husband or with his uh, wife or husband, okay, with with their husband or wife, okay? And they they want to get a divorce. And so you tell the guy, look, this is what the this is you have to keep the honor and respect. He's like, why should I? She did this, she did that. Well, brothers and sisters, <laughs> If she was an angel in your eyes, you probably wouldn't be divorcing her to begin with. Now, you don't think that she's an angel. Well, yeah? No, duh. <laughs> you're saying, why should I keep the respect? She's no angel. Well, first of all, maybe she is, but in your eyes she isn't. That's that, okay? Let's, let's, let, let me say that as a disclaimer, but you know, once again, none of my business. But having said that, if you're only supposed to respect them when they're an angel, Right? That seldom happens. Then this verse is talking about nothing. No, 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 no. Habibi, this is not how it works. <laughs> if you're divorcing her, it's probably because you feel that she is not an angel. And so that's the test right here. That you don't, you're not interested. You feel like she's hurt you. You feel like it's all her fault, which usually it's both sides' fault, in my opinion at least. But all in all, there are shortcomings on both sides. There's always two sides to the story. But all in all, in your eyes, it's, her, it's all her fault. That's the test, my friend. It's because you're upset at her. Allah wants to see, hey, this, this is a respected uh, Muslimah. Are you going to still, even, through, even after all you guys have been through, are you going to maintain her respect? That is the test for you. So these are excuses, brothers and sisters, that some of us might come up with sometimes. Oh yeah, but you know you don't know how much she hurt me, how much this, how much that. Okay, understandable. But the verses didn't say honor them if they've honored you. They didn't say it like that. It says keep their honor. You have that hak of talaq, for example, unless you've um, you know relinquished it in before before the nikah happened or whatever. There are things that you know are discussed these days of how that can happen. I don't want to get into that either. Um, Relinquish is not a good word here to use. But anyway, that's a different story. But you are the one who originally has the haqq al-talaq. Are you going to abuse it now? No, this is a a means of you being tested. And if you don't honor her the way you're supposed to, and just let her go honorably, instead of revenge and all that kind of stuff, then Allah, on the day of judgment, you'll see what's going to happen. So we have to be... This is very very, uh, shaky ground to be walking on. And so we have to be taking our steps very carefully and cautiously when it comes to maintaining the honor and respect of the Muslimat. Now, I don't even want to talk about the cases where the guy goes and spreads rumors about her in the community. I don't even want to go there because that is some really scary stuff. If Allah is making such a big deal about this matter, then I don't even know what to say about the rest, which, which is worse. So we, we seek refuge in Allah when it comes to the reputation of the people when it comes to the honor and dignity and respect of the people inshallah ta'ala walhamdulillahirabbil alamin allahumma nawwir qulubana bil qur'an Wazayin akhlaqana bil qur'an wa najjina minan nar bil qur'an wa adkhilna al jannata bil qur'an allahumma Jalil qur'an lana fid dunya qarinan wa fil munisan wa ala al sirati nura wa jannati wa minan nari sitaran wa hijaba وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين. والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.